0: So, in preparing for this week and preparing this message, I don't know. It's something I stumbled across. So I was doing in my own reading, and not, I'm not going to dance around it too much this morning. It's it's on temptation, and I don't know. It's a pretty heavy. It's a pretty heavy message to to begin our year with, but I think it's important nonetheless to get our grounding, to understand what's going on around us to understand that we are fighting a battle in the spirit we're fighting a battle not just physically but there's significance to this that goes beyond our initial sight and temptation falls under this we are constantly tempted we are constantly poked and prodded by sin and this morning i want to talk about this i want to talk about how to overcome temptation now, for most of us, this, this, these aren't going to be new things I'm talking about this morning, but it's important that we remember it and we apply it because it's one thing to know it, it's a whole other thing to apply it, isn't it? So temptation, a basic definition is anything that influences you to turn from God. That is what you would call temptation. Anything that is going to turn you away from God. So in order to understand temptation, we've got to kind of have an understanding of sin. So the Scriptures teach us that sin is displeasing to god and that it merits spiritual death and eternal judgment first let us consider what sin is not sin is not our opinion of what is right and wrong sin is defined for us in god's word the apostle paul writes everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness sin is defined in terms of god's law because god's law is a reflection of his holy character sin is not created by us we we sin but the law of god is upon him we we are not the judge of that because we didn't write it we don't know it like he does we're not the judge he is the judge and he's the only one fit to be judge so just to summarize What sin is, like? you have the list of the seven deadly sins. We have lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. These are very, I find these helpful because they are a very good generalization of where, what sin can be and what sin can look like. And I, I, I used to like talking to the kids when I was doing pastoral care work and I used to like to say, it's one thing to feel something to feel an emotion, but it's a whole other thing, to act upon it. You can feel angry and that's okay, as long as you're not acting upon that anger. You can feel envy, but that is okay, as long as you are not allowing it to consume you to the point of you acting upon it, hence turning to sin. So steps to overcome temptation. Step number one, be reconciled to God. An easy way of putting that is just turn to Him. Admit, God, hey, I did something wrong. I know I've done something wrong, and I'm sorry. Help me. It's as simple as that. It's not like God's coming and saying, I want you to be perfect. I want you to do better. Don't come to me because you're unworthy. Our God does exactly the opposite. That's what the world, I feel like, would do. Because we are not worthy, because we did not meet the mark, we are disqualified. But we are qualified because of what Christ did in us. It is not the sin that binds us and breaks us. Because Christ is alive. Because Christ won at the cross and it was by His blood that the debt of sin was fully paid. We are not expected to be perfect. We are expected to try. But when we do fail, it's not a matter of if, but when. When we do fail, turn to God. So sometimes when it comes to reconciling and confronting temptation there's a few things that i at least at least for me i can kind of relate to i like to kind of sometimes if if it's up to me it's run and i don't really do anything about it i refuse to recognize the sin and i refuse to recognize that it can be a problem secondly i can ignore it block it out of my memory oh it's okay i'll deal with it later it's not a today problem it's something i can deal with in the future thirdly we can try and solve it by ourselves led by guilt and unwilling to accept god's grace we feel as though we are unworthy of god's love and god's sacrifice which is what saves us by the way romans 6 i'm going to read there's, there's a lot of scripture here this morning because when I, I feel like when it comes to talking about these types of things i don't want it to be my own words all the time i want want my, my words to have merit and, then, and there's nothing better than just reading the scriptures because it just it's just right there i don't have to try and justify anything romans 6 17 to 18 but thanks to god that though you used to be slaves to sin you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness, it says, "slaves to righteousness." There, and that's not because we're bound by something that's terrible. It's a, it's, it's a gift to be to be bound and it's slaves to righteousness because it means we're on the right path. It means that we're doing the right thing, and it's through righteousness that God leads His promises. It's where He leads us, is where He guides us, is where life is in His righteousness. Apart from Christ. All are enslaved to sin. There is no side entity. There's nothing else. that you There's no back streets. There's no shortcuts. It's Christ. Christ is the only thing that can save us from sin. People who do not have Jesus follow and obey sin. They follow their earthly nature. And that is, I'm not here to judge that and I'm not here to say, shame on you. What I'm here to say is, is that Christ has a better way. There is a better way. Those of us who have found Christ know this. We know there is a better way. We have the greatest freedom, and that is the ability to resist and be free from all sin. The greatest gift we could ever receive. 2 Peter 2 verses 9 to 10. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in lust and defiling passion and despise authority. In nature, it's not a very nice thing to think about if you are outside of the love of the, of the love of God. The Bible puts it pretty, pretty simple and it puts it pretty rough. There's, there's black and white here. It's either you are in the love of god or you are not as harsh as it is the scriptures this is what we listen to this is the bible was there in creation the bible has been there since the start of time the word of god stands true and strong and it will for the rest of eternity and if it says something like this we need to take heed and i stand up before you this is not an easy thing for me to talk to you about because i too struggle i too fight temptation and sin But it is important that as a church, we do this. We talk about these things and we are honest with one another and lift each other up, not to judge, not to point fingers or put thumbs down, but to love and encourage and grow. As believers, we need to give thanks to the Lord and the God who can rescue us from the temptation from sin. We have not been left alone and are not expected to do it in our own strength. Hebrews four, verses fifteen to sixteen, for we do not have sorry, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. This is what set Christ apart. Verse sixteen. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus has been. He's done it. He's experienced it. We don't need to recreate the plan. We don't need to try and break ground. Jesus has been there and we can trust in Him in these times. Point number two. So point number one was reconcile with God. Point number two, meditate on God's Word. And yeah, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple one, especially for us as Christians who have been Christians for a long time. We hear this. But like, I feel like it's also true to people who aren't necessarily of faith or religion. People, re- people memorize lyrics to songs. People memorize poems, memorize scripture. They, they take quotes and they memorize quotes that are important to them and significant to their life. The only difference is is ours, our, what we are remembering and what we are meditating on is a source of life. It brings life. And look, whenever you open the Bible, I'm a firm believer that if you open God's Word, you will come out feeling different. You will come out feeling uplifted. You will feel as though something has happened. Something has taken place. That is the power of God's Word. Psalm 119 verse 11, Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. If God's Word is there, there's there's no... God and sin cannot dwell in the same place. That means the Word of God and sin can also not dwell in the same place. So if you are filling your heart and your mind with the words of Scripture, sin will not dwell there. If you continue to press on, press in and meditate on God's Word, sin will flee. Paul has two commands. In Ephesians 5 verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, right? Be filled with the Spirit. And then in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Be filled with the Spirit and let the Word of Christ dwell richly within you. Right? Two pretty simple commandments, but game-changing for our life. Game-changing in what they can do and game-changing in the fruits, especially when it comes to resisting temptation. If you have the Word of God within you, and if you have the Spirit within you, you stand a much greater chance to resist the arrows that may come in your direction. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. The Spirit of God and sin, as I said, cannot dwell together. This means that as Spirit-filled and led people, it is possible to live a life without sin. With the Word of God, we can discover the truths and strengths in which to freely live from sin. Memorize Scripture especially if you are repeatedly tempted by something. If you know that you have a weakness, as we all do, we're human, right? It's part of our human nature. Memorize Scripture specific to that. I can guarantee you that if you're struggling with something, it is in the Word of God. There is something there. You will find something if you go looking. So take the initiative. Take the first step and take a proactive approach to defeating sin and pushing back against temptation. We need to see the Word of God as a weapon. It is not just a book that was written over thousands of years and has been printed many, many times. This is a weapon. It is something that can change life. It separates bone from marrow. It cuts through. It is sharp and it has power. So memorize it. Point number three. Big point number three, deny ungodliness and cultivate godliness. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation, and this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation... But with, te- with the temptation, will provide the way to escape also, so that, you will always, so that you will be able to endure it. In my experience, there is always a subtle voice. There is always a way out. There is always a check. Hey, this is going to lead to this. Don't do this. But it is so quiet and subtle. It's, a pa- it's almost like it's a passing thought. It's not this big, loud trumpet sound. It's this, it is all so quiet. But that is. I, believe, I firmly believe that is the Spirit of God saying, hey, this is not good. Don't do this. And then it is our choice. It is then on us to then make the choice, whether we listen or not. Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Temptation, Succeeds when your heart is unprepared for it. That's where temptation succeeds. When you are not prepared. When you are feeling like you're at your lowest, when you're at your darkest, that is when temptation will often be at its strongest. Because it creates a way out. According to the world, it creates a way out. It creates something that is false. Something that is going to try and bring us reprieve or, or some sort of satisfaction. But it's not true. The truth is is that when we dwell upon God first and His Word first, then we will be fulfilled and full. Life is long and it is made up of many seasons. We We are never exempt from a particular sin. When often we say, that will never be me, this is the attitude we cannot afford to take. Rather, we need a more proactive approach and again, I believe with the Word of God, offense is the greatest defense. And like Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness, the enemy came with him with a similar weapon. The enemy came with him with the, what was and looks like the Word of God, and it closely resembled that. But Christ knew, just like a swordsman or just like any other weapon that a, someone would use. It, and I was, even, actually, I was even talking to Daniel Baldwin about this the other day. When it comes to firearms in the army, they teach you that that is a part of you. It is who you are. It is an extension. It's like another It's like another limb, right? So you, you are so used to that being there that it's part of who you are. The same thing goes with the Word of God as a weapon. It is there. It's part of us. It is when we move, it moves with us. So let it be that. It can be that. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, In word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord. Give thanks through Him to God the Father. Be active in resisting sin and try to live a life that is pleasing to God. I believe that the only way to live a free life... Sorry. I believe not only this will give you or help you to live a free life, but this follows a path full of God's promises, gifts and blessings both to you and the generations to come this is going to make me seem like a bit of a nerd now but i um thanks laura <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've been listening to the lord of the rings book right which is right it's pretty high up on the nerd list uh it's been read out by it's been read out by andy circus who was the guy who played uh Sméagol or Gollum to those of you who know and he does a very good job uh, I've been listening to it to and from work because I travel probably close to two hours a day. So I just pop that on and it kind of goes on in the background if I, as long as like you know, if it's not like the Bible or music or whatever. Um, but he's been really good and it's kind of like opened up a bit more of, I always like the Lord of the Rings movies but the books really delved in deep. And last night me and Hannah watched uh, the first movie and right at the end, they those of you who know know but I'll try and describe it for those who don't, These guys, the the party, they go into this place called the Mines of Moria, a big, deep, dark place under these huge mountains. And so what ends up happening is is they travel into this dark place uh, and they come across this unfathomable foe, right? And this thing's called a Belrog. This thing is, it's a demon. It's a demon of of fire and it's a demon of darkness. And with the the party, there's Gandalf, right? Gandalf the Grey, he's a wizard. Uh, He's considered amongst the law to be angel-like, right? And so this demon is a, a foe beyond those who do not fight in that way. So what ends up happening is they end up crossing, running across this little bridge and Gandalf is standing center in the middle of the bridge, this little gray old man with his staff and his sword. And on the other side of the bridge is this huge menacing demon of fire and ash and darkness and big wings, big demon-like looking thing. Impressive, right? Gandalf stands his ground and he says, you cannot pass. You cannot pass. And so what, So the demon doesn't listen to this. The demon raises his sword and goes to attack Gandalf. Gandalf raises his staff and that sword, that sword shatters into lava almost. So what happens is then is this bell rock pulls out its whip, huge whip of fire, cracks his whip and then proceeds to walk along the bridge. Gandalf again shouts, you shall not pass. And shakes, the, the whole thing shakes, it rumbles. And this bell rock takes a step back, pauses again for a moment. The bell rock goes to step again and again Gandalf shouts, you shall not pass. And it falls into the deep. The reason I'm mentioning this is because this is like sin and temptation. Like Gandalf, we will need to stand our ground against temptation and it will continue to come. It is menacing and sometimes sometimes it won't look like that. It It often won't look like this big menacing thing in front of us. But we will, multiple times, we'll have to stand our ground and say, no, I stand against this. You will not have your way in this. And this is that proactive approach I was talking about. Sometimes we will find ourselves in the middle in the middle of a bridge, in the middle of a skinny little walkway, and we'll have to say no. So let God be our strength. Let God help us. We're not standing alone. It is by the Spirit that we can fight these things as well. Point number four, avoid tempting situations. Matthew 6.13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Amen. Christ will not, God will not lead you to darkness. That much is guaranteed. If you follow Christ, it is not—he is not going to lead you down a path of where you shouldn't be. That's as easy as that. And then if we flip to the other side, if we go to Proverbs six, uh, sorry, Proverbs seven, from six to ten. For at the window of my house, and this is just a, this is kind of goes into a bit of a story here. At the window at my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive, and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart." Now, those of you who understand what this is talking about, it's a a stern warning not to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. It is a stern warning to be proactive and to be careful. If you are dwelling in darkness, if you are dwelling close by to where sin is residing, you are likely to come across it. You are more likely to be tempted and drawn in. So steer clear from these places. Steer clear from the corner. Don't be out when there is darkness and there is night. But instead, look to the light of Christ. Carry you the sword of the Spirit with you. And do not, do not walk towards willingly tempting situations and allow Christ to steer you away. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. That sounds like something Gandhi said, doesn't it? Like, 1 Corinthians 15 33. It's, it's just, but it's so simple and wonderful because this bad company corrupts good morals. If you are surrounding yourself, whether it's people or whether it's the social media or whatever it is that is going to corrupt, it's there to corrupt, it probably is going to corrupt you if you let it. Point five be transparent to God and others. It's pretty simple, really. Just be honest with God. But. We need to, be to show a bit of discernment when it comes to talking with people around us. It is a blessing to have a church family. It is a blessing to have a fellowship and people with us. So we need to be careful how we go about sharing these things. I want to be honest and say sharing with God first is obviously the most important thing. But if you feel like you wish to share this and share your temptation with others, which I do encourage you to do, pick the right people to share these things with. Because it can quickly lead down a path of gossip. It can quickly lead down a path of, of of risk, I guess. Not just for you, but the person you're sharing it to. This is also something you need to be worried and concerned about. Pastor Mel is a fantastic example. She is good to go and talk to. Donna, the leadership, there are people who can listen and can help. And I guess if you are someone who is receiving this, if you are someone who... If someone's telling you something, someone's talking to you about something, and you're like, oh, man, I'm way out of my league here. I'm way out of my league. Go talk to somebody, direct them to somebody else. You don't have to be the person to fix anything. That's not up to you. It doesn't have to be up to you, right? God can guide you, and God can, and I, like, it's, it's, it's a simple, it's almost a simple, uh, like, counselling technique is to redirect. Redirect to somewhere else. And it's a fantastic thing, and it's a fantastic tool. So if you ever feel out of your depth, refer on. Let somebody else uh, help and take on that load. 1 John 1 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to give us our sins, to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has the power to remove all sin. And finally my last point point six keep an eternal perspective proverbs fifteen three the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good Ecclesiastes twelve verses thirteen to fourteen the conclusion when all have heard when all has when all has been heard is fear is Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Verse 14: For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Again, this serves as a stern warning to Christians and non-Christians. God watches, God sees, He knows. He sees not what's just in the light, but also what is in the darkness. He sees what is in loud, he sees what is quiet. He knows everything and all things. So it's important to know, not that we are living in a sense of fear. When it says here, when it says here fear God, it's not talking about fear and trembling, right? Like in a way that I don't know, a kid fears the dark. This is talking, it's just referring to a reverent fear. This is referring to a respect for our God. Like A son should respect and fear his father. There is still, it's not a terror. It is a respect. It is, there is a relationship involved. This is not an almighty God putting his thumb down and saying, this is it, this is how you need to act, period. He loves us. He loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus, for us and the rest of eternity. But that doesn't mean it's so we run rampant and we do what we like. It says he is watching and he knows. So, if you'd like to stand with me this morning, I'd like to.